Hello, heroes. Welcome to Modifier. I'm your host, Megan Dornbrock. Hey there, heroes. Coming at you a week early because I really wanted to make sure you had a chance to hear about this one before their campaign is over. Aviv and Iran from webcomic Up to Four Players are here to talk about their Savage Worlds setting, Crystal Heart. You may be familiar with this setting already if you read their comic, but if you aren't, don't worry. We talk about the origins of the Crystal Heart setting as well as those of the comic and how they grew to interweave and support one another to tell this really incredible story. We look at how Savage Worlds allows players to tell really fun, pulpy adventures and how Crystal Heart does that as well, but at the same time gives you avenues to explore some really deep emotional or even horrific stories about identity and self. I'm just so in love with the nuances you can hit with this. I really enjoyed talking to Aviv and Iran both about this, and I know over on the one-shot feed they're playing Crystal Heart this month, so I'm very excited to hear what they get to explore with it. But for more about the setting and how it works from the creators themselves, let's get to the show. Okay, heroes, this week I have two guests joining me. I've got Aviv and Iran to talk about their setting for Savage Worlds, Crystal Heart. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. I'm glad you're both here. Would you like to introduce yourselves a little bit? Some projects that you've worked on or places that folks might know you from? Everyone, why don't you start? Um, it wasn't supposed to be a trick. <laughs> <laughs> I think the main thing people might know me from is City of Mist, which is a role-playing game that was kickstarted about two years ago. I'm the editor yeah. for the game. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I did some game design support on it as well. But before that, all of my work was in Hebrew in Israel, where I either edited or translated or did something similar to most role-playing game books that uh, was came through, either from abroad or were created in Israel or stuff like that. Oh, so wow. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of experience in, in Israel and now in London. No one knows of me. <laughs> <laughs> and even yeah. I sat down and started this thing. So, so you might know me from up to four players, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm an illustrator. Um, I work mainly in uh, tabletop games, role-playing and board games. And yeah, I've illustrated the After Four Players um, webcomic for the past several years. I keep saying a different number, but let's just say several. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's a good number. Yeah, it's it's been going on for quite a while, and you you've done art for uh, other projects and other games while you do a web comic, which is that's bananas. <laughs> well, I, I think most uh, web comic artists or creators would say that they do a web comic while doing other work, because mm-hmm. for sure the web comic has been that kind of side hobby type thing. Although often it takes more time and more effort than many other projects. Um, mm-hmm. But it is that, you know, passion project for both of us um, where, you know, we have Patreon and we now have the Kickstarter. So we hope to kind of get paid for it. But mostly it's been that thing that we're really passionate about and want to bring into the world. That's wonderful. And I I hope you get paid for it. That would be (laughs) the dream. (laughs) Awesome. So so the webcomic and and the game writing and this all wraps up into this big project, this this setting for Savage Worlds that you are working on. Um, and I, I definitely want to get into that and kind of how it all supports each other. But I don't think we've talked about Savage Worlds yet on the show. Uh, and you two have put together a really good uh, intro into how to play the game. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about Savage Worlds and how it works. Do you want to take that, Alan, or should I? Yeah, sure, sure. 
Yeah, I've actually noticed that when I was browsing through your backlog, uh, you mostly yeah. talk about uh, indie stuff, things that are created wholesale to be their own thing. And mm-hmm. we avoided that specifically. We wanted to build on something that already exists, mm. uh, Savage World specifically. Um, the reason is it does everything we want to, and we didn't have to create everything from zero from scratch yeah there's already a basis and it's a pretty simple basis you have attributes and skills all of them are dice like d4 is the lowest d12 is the highest you Mm -hmm. roll your die when you want to do something and if you got a four you did it and that's basically Mm -hmm. the thing but there are two important details that are added to that that really i think make savage walls into what it is first dice explode so when you get the highest result, you roll again. And that's oh. important because um, difficulty is always presented as a modifier, a negative modifier, because it's always a four. It n- never changes. But if you want to hack to a computer and it's like the NSA's computer, it will be with a minus six. So oh, wow. even a D12 in computers might mean that you only get one die, one roll. If you roll and you didn't make it, then minus six is a lot. But if the die explodes, then theoretically speaking, even with a D4, you can do it because the four explodes and then you roll another D4 and add it. And if you get another mm-hmm. four, it explodes again, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, it can and just keep going. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. It's unpredictable and awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's the opposite of the predictability of, uh, for example, D&D or Pathfinder, where you, well, you, you'll get a, a did 20, a natural 20 once every 20 rolls or so. But even then, that basically means you'll do double the damage. But you're still counting numbers, uh, mm-hmm. generally speaking. There are resources and you try to overcome specific uh, obstacles by using a number of resources. And it's all cool. But if you want insane things happening uh, on a pretty regular basis, exploding dice is awesome. <laughs> it works yeah. really well. Oh, that's cool. I didn't realize that there that it could just keep going and without a cap. That's that's incredible. Yeah, that's uh, the best. Yeah. Um and the thing about Savage Worlds, maybe uh we should mention that it's a generic system. So it's just mm-hmm. a bunch of rules basically, and you can play it in any genre, any setting, and mm-hmm. uh, there's lots of people creating settings for Savage Worlds. Um so for that reason, it was a really good system to choose for a webcomic where we tell our own story in our own world and we yeah. just need a set of really cool, fun, simple rules to play that setting in. Yeah, yeah but, but specifically that imitate the, the style that we are aiming for, mm. the aesthetic we aim for, because um, GURPS, for example, is generic as well, mm-hmm. but it's about the, the tiny little details. <laughs> Savage yeah. Worlds is about uh, jumping in front of Nazis and in gorillas, riding gorillas and shooting them with laser guns. And that's it's super pulp. It's super yeah. duper pulp. And oh. you feel it when you play it. Oh, absolutely. So I, I take it you had already been playing with the Savage World system before Crystal Heart, right? This is something you were familiar with. Um, yes. I wouldn't say either of us was an expert mm-hmm. in Savage Worlds and... You can also, I think, see it in the comic itself because while we explain the rules for Savage Worlds, we also create some new rules because that's the crystals in in Crystal Heart. 
crystals yeah. are a specific type of fool that we had to uh, imagine. And we change that mm. once or twice as we go along when we, well, it's a game design. You, you realize you want something a bit different. Sure. But I would say that if I had like 10 years of experience playing Savage Worlds and not probably two years, that, that's what maybe we had back then, yeah. um, I probably would have come up with something better earlier. What we have now is awesome, but it took like three iterations to get it. That's, I mean, that you said it. That's design. That's game yeah, design. That's yeah. that's how it's going to work. So it's just funny that you can see it in in the webcomic itself because oh. you can. They are using the characters in the webcomic are using whatever we gave them, the, the rules yeah. that we created for them. And at the beginning, it's not the best. And then yeah. they say these, these rules could use some improvement as we decide to improve them, and then they use the better rules. And now they're going to use the best rules. Yeah, it's it's possibly yeah. the first playtest done by fictional characters. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's such a cool log of your process, but also a very cool example for people who are just reading the comic who are working on their own projects to see that example out there of you can change things. It's fine. It's good. I oh, think man. so. Yeah. yeah We've totally. written quite a lot about it uh, on our mm -hmm. posts. We, we used to write a lot of posts. Now we devote most of our time to um, the game. Um, mm -hmm. But we used to write a lot of posts about um, each and every page and things that happen in it and analyzing mm -hmm. it from different situations. Role-playing games are super interesting. There are so many things to say about them. And we used to talk a bit about the design of this as well, yeah. Oh, man. So when, when you were putting this together, did you give thought to any other system aside from Savage Worlds or did you just know? We obviously thought about D&D &D and Pathfinder and stuff like that at the beginning, but we ruled them out oh. quite quickly uh, because... They're telling a very specific fantasy story with very specific rules um, geared mm. towards that story. And that's right. not our story. And <laughs> since we have a story to tell, we were thinking about storytelling games like Fate or Powered by the Apocalypse, mm -hmm. for example. But with those games, they have such a an open storytelling mechanic, um, which is mm -hmm. awesome when you're a group of friends around the table telling a story together – but if you're a writer and you already have a story to tell, you mm -hmm. don't necessarily need that system. Because then yeah. uh, what would we show them doing around the table just talking about stuff? That's not very interesting. <laughs> um, with Savage Worlds, it gives us a bunch of really fun rules and mechanics and rolling and exploding dice, which look really good <laughs> on camera, uh, quotes. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so that kind of, we settled on that as, as the system to go with. And so you, you talked a bit about the story of Crystal Heart, and I'm curious how that started. Uh, was this a home game? Was this something? Uh, how did yeah? How did this fictional world begin? Generally speaking, it was something that we came up with about 15 years ago, because we really wanted to play a uh, small eyes, big mouth, big eyes, small mouth. Sorry, that's the game. <laughs> yeah. it, it no longer exists. It's an old system that was mm -hmm. for anime games. I didn't really like it. It's not, it wasn't bad, but I don't think it was generic, but it didn't say anything. It didn't, it had no yeah. oomph, mm -hmm. uh, but we wanted to have something with an oomph. So we created our own setting for it. And even then, despite not having uh, much experience, I think maybe simply being inspired by um, anime, we wanted to have a world that would fit the game that we are imagining. And that means 
we want to go around and collect crystals. Why? Because mm-hmm. we want to go into ancient tombs and get cool stuff that will give us powers. <laughs> um, so, okay, yeah. so these are crystals, but what do we do with them? Well, how about we implant them into ourselves? Why? Because we want the player characters to be unique and unusual and not like everyone else in the world. So they have unusual powers. We are the only ones who can do that. Or maybe not the only ones, because as a GM, I wanted more control over what the players are going to do. We decided it will be an episodic game where every session begins with me saying, this and this now happens. You are in this situation. Go ahead. Completely inspired Mm -hmm. by uh, TV. That's how serialized TV usually works. We wanted this. So I said, okay, you have an organization that maybe I didn't say it actually. We were were five of us working on this together. So I don't remember who said what, but we decided Mm -hmm. that there's this organization that you all belong to and sin and sin sends you wherever they want and you have no choice in the matter. And also they are probably mysterious and ominous in some way because obviously something has to do, something has to happen with them in the series Mm -hmm. finale um, when you foil their plan to take over the world or something. (laughs) I don't know. So we had to create all of these things as we talked about what we actually want to play because we knew that we don't want to just run around and get some loot. We probably played uh, D&D before that and we had more than enough loot. So money was useless. We, We decided that money should be useless. There's no reason for us to chase it. So we created a world where money has no use. Sin provides you everything you need. Uh, we actually translated it into the newest tools in Savage World. We don't use money. We use a new system we call requisition, which means oh. that if you want something, you need to prove to Sin that you did your things. There are several responsibilities that every Sin agent is supposed to take care of, like, for example, um, serve the police if local authorities ask for it and obviously get crystals and not to just kill people randomly around because what's the point in that? So if you do all of these, you'll get requisition and then you can get stuff that you want. But it's never going to be a plus one sword because swords are... You want a sword here, you have a sword. Go ahead. Go have fun. That's not the thing. That's not what you are aiming for. That's not what's missing in your life. (laughs) <laughs> That's cool. Awesome. And so that, that kind of ties to what we were talking about before we got started at the show is making that sort of typical fantasy, uh, you know, dungeon crawler murder hobo thing uh, unappealing and unnecessary. Yes. Yes. Right. Cool. The only thing we really had to work hard on, I think, was was actually the thing that we started with. There are crystals, they are powerful, and yeah. they, they can only be found inside adventure sites. <laughs> now, we have, ah. we have to create a, a rationale for why. Why they are only inside adventure sites. Yeah. There, there were several different rationales during different iterations of the setting, but right now we are going with, A, there's a secret reason that we haven't yet discovered, revealed mm. in the webcomic. <laughs> okay. And B, when a crystal is left in the wild, it becomes feral. It uh, starts emoting, creating, manifesting its theme, its concept, its powers in a way that will create an adventure around it, basically speaking. So, so if there's a fire crystal, there might be fire elementals and the whole wood is on fire and maybe the people around are raging or whatever. So there will, there will be things happening that will create an adventure. So yeah. that's why crystals are always in an adventure site. Ah, okay. 
That's that's cool. I let, let's talk a little bit more about crystals then, and how you um, kind of how they work mechanically, because you mentioned that's what you had to build for this system. So, uh, so the player characters can use them and put them inside themselves, and that does things to them. So I, I assume there's mechanics about that. Well, first of all, in a less mechanic way and more um, setting mm-hmm. related thing. Yes, words hard. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So agents of sin, once you become an agent, you get your own heart removed in a surgical procedure and a harness is inserted into your chest. A harness is this kind of metallic, slightly steampunkish thing that is just, it it sits inside your chest and into it, you can insert new crystals. So that makes the whole um, switching crystals and trying new one uh, new ones are much easier because you can just click, remove, click, put a new one in, um, <laughs> which would be amazing in heart surgery in our world, but yeah, right. maybe in the future. So that's how it works mechanically in worlds. Mechanically in the mm-hmm. game, every crystal is a collection of powers and characteristics that are all about that crystal's theme. So the theme can be um, mm. pulling uh, ropes out of things, for example, or a theme can be jumping really, really high. So that's that's the theme of the crystal, and all the powers mm. that it has are related to that to that theme. Um, so it can be if if I don't know the crystal's theme is is jumping, then it could have a power that enables you to jump really high, and it could have a stronger power of, mm. you know, you touch the ground and literally everything on the ground starts levitating or something. Those are powers that you need to actively activate mm. using a crystal channeling skill, which is a new skill mm. we have um, in the crystal heart setting. And in addition to those powers, there's also a uh, a basic power, something that you don't need to actively use. It's just something you can do because you have that heart socketed in. And, oh gosh, I forgot the name of it. What's the one that's that's below? Disposition? Disposition? No. Casual use? Uh, casual use, but... Hindrance? Isn't that something a- apart from casual use? No, probably not. No, no, no. Okay. no <laughs> <laughs> so the casual use is just something that is automatically part of your character, basically. It's just something you can automatically do once you have that crystal. And um, those are all on the powers side of the crystal. Now, another interesting thing about them is that they not only give you a bunch of cool superpowers, they also change your personality. So each crystal has a disposition that is also kind of somewhat tied to its theme. And once you have that new crystal socketed in, Suddenly, the way your mind processes thought could change, or something about your personality is suddenly different. And that all just happens the moment you remove your crystal and insert a new one. Oh, wow. That's wild. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, it's fun to play. That's the yeah. only reason, of course, it, it exists. Yeah. Well, there's also a, re- there's, there's a fictional reason for it. But again, the fiction only follows the design. Mm-hmm. We wanted you to have fun switching crystals around. So when you switch between a, a power set A and power set B, something else will come mm-hmm. with it. So you'll feel a bit of a burden. Oh, maybe it's a fun burden, but still mm-hmm. something that comes along with, uh, because otherwise it will, it will just be supers. And, and that's fun. Sure. That's great. But that's not what we're aiming for. We want the interchangeability to mean something. 
Yeah. So that's what we're looking for. Oh, is is that disposition something that the that the characters know is coming? Like, do they know what to expect, or or is it a like a surprise? It really depends on if they already know the crystal or not. Because mm. if it's something that Sin already has, if it's a crystal that was recovered in the past, then someone has probably done some tests on it, and people have used it before. Because a crystal, once you recover it, it belongs to Sin, and people will be using it. Yeah. Your agents, other agents, etc. So they have a general idea of what the theme is about and what the disposition is for every crystal they have. But with new crystals, you have no idea until you try it. Yeah. Actually, in our current um, chapter in the webcomic that's about to end quite soon, um, one of the characters, they've actually they found a crystal in chapter one. And one of the characters um, in this chapter has socketed it just to kind of try and see what it does, try and test it out in the field. Um, mm -hmm. And they haven't had the time to properly test it out uh, in, in, you know, oh. good, solid training conditions. Yeah. They just ran into it, into the action and, and started playing around with it. Yeah. And throughout the chapter, um, they, well, she, it's the, the character's name is Muna. She, uh, discovers all these interesting, um, new features about the crystal, both mm. disposition. She's suddenly kind of a different person than she used to be. Yeah. Um, and powers that just come out of nowhere and are surprising both to the character in game and to the players around the table because they're finding out about these powers, um, as the character does, which is really, I think is a really fun storyline. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. As, as you're describing how this works, I, I can definitely see the fun, playful, like trying things out. This is exciting aspect of it. But I'm also thinking about the, the emotional stories you can tell about like identity and, and, mm. and, you know, that sort of bittersweet stuff, because that's the kind of monster that I am. But like <laughs> that, like they all are happening at once. And that's amazing. Yeah. No, that's good. That's, that's really something that's going on with this world as well. I oh, think when cool. you gave an example for that, agents come in various ranks. You start as novice, you go to become seasoned, then veteran and heroic, which are mm -hmm. the same ranks from Savage Walls. That's just how Savage Walls um, sees advancement. Mm -hmm. And we've just published in, in our Kickstarter page um, two heroic agents. There are only a dozen heroic agents because it's hard to become so powerful and so uh, and, and to remain alive long enough to uh, uh, become heroic and the two heroics that we've released both of them well one of them in particular has was was so taken by the thought patterns of the crystal i would say she's gone yeah she's no longer there she's now more she's uh, well it's a spoiler but <laughs> she 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 became so paranoid thinking m being sure that there's someone in the organization in scene that is a, a, i don't know a rebel or something mm -hmm. she, she's un unsure as well something is wrong in the organization and she chases the clues mm. that she herself leaves to herself oh my god yes chasing this own because the crystal that she had before was very paranoid and the crystal she has now very much enhances her ego, making her sure that what she thinks is completely true and yeah. obviously she can't be wrong. So whatever remained of her is uh, unclear at this point. 
she's just in this loop going around yeah. in, her, in her own head most, uh, well, also in the world. But yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Oh, man. And if you've traded your heart for a socket, then who are you really anyway? Uh, I don't know. This is cool. <laughs> it's doubly important in this world because your hearts, uh, in, in this world, people's hearts are literally made of stone. Mm. So inserting a crystal is replacing a stone with a crystal. Yeah. And that stone is much like the crystal. It's created by your thoughts as you from, become, go older from a toddler to, to a teen and then to an adult. Mm. Your heart grows bigger and you get a specific hue and a specific shape for it. Oh. And when you transplant hearts from someone else, your thought patterns will change. And we have that again happening in the current storyline yeah. where a, a brother of one of the player characters had a heart transplant. Mm -hmm. And now he leads a rebellion in a city, oh which is not a thing that he used to do before. And he claims he's now, it's, it allowed him to be who he really is. But the player oh. character thinks that he went insane. Oh, oh man, you guys. <laughs> yeah, this goes deep. Uh, can um can characters put the stone back, or uh, once you have the harness, it's just crystals? It's uh, something that we will discuss in mm, the game book. Okay, and leave it optional for the um GM to decide. Because if the answer is no, then you basically belong to sin. Yeah. Uh, if the answer is yes, then the main question is, where, do, where does the sin keep your heart right now? And yeah. when can you get it back? That's, uh, th these are big questions. That oh are, my God, both of them are amazing. Like... I, they are good questions. Uh, we, we leave them for each GM to decide, <gasps> along, along with the question, what, what do sin actually plan? And yeah. where crystals are formed? What, what are crystals? Oh, what, what yeah. are they, All of these questions will have several options in the book because... There's a canonical answer, but it's true for the webcomic. And we will not be revealing it until the webcomic concludes. Well, actually, oh. quite before, but... Yeah. It has to be separate, obviously, from yeah. the game book. Oh, man. It doesn't make for great audio, but I'm just that brain exploding. <laughs> like, this, is, this is cool. Dang. Okay. Yeah. So let's... Let's let's talk about this webcomic, actually, since you we brought it back up. Has it always been about Crystal Heart, or is that just sort of what it's about right now? So when it started, it was actually, it was much different. Uh, we still had those four players, um, the, our main characters in the comic. Mm -hmm. But it was just short strips, like three-panel jokes about board games, rather than a, a, a uh, continuing okay. story about role-playing games. Um, that's where we started. That's what we felt comfortable with. We found that, um, you know, board games give us loads of ideas, uh, jokes. It's <laughs> yeah. just a treasure trove of stuff to play with. Um, and that was great for like two years or something. Oh, wow. But at some point, we, it kind of ran its, its course. Yes, we had fun with board games. We had fun with little jokes, but we just want to do something new now. And, um, mm -hmm. We had a meeting about this where I was like, I was ready to just say, yeah, I don't know. Let's just stop doing this. But then Elan kind of um, suggested maybe we can take this in a different direction. Are you interested in doing, still doing a comics, but maybe doing something different? And we have worked mm -hmm. on, a, on a long form story uh, comic before that mm -hmm. just the very first chapter of which uh, actually made it into anything completed. 
but it was great. Mm -hmm. It was, it was fun to create something that's kind of a serious, proper story. So I was into that. Yeah. And then we kind of tried to flash out uh, the idea of what we're going to do and using our existing characters was kind of a nice lead into doing something that's, it's kind of new, but it's not completely, we have to start from scratch and come up with a completely new thing. No, we have a really good ground here. Let's just have these players play something new. And that's where Iran pulled out Crystal Heart from his, he has loads of documents and, and um, <laughs> things in his, in his, magic drawers of <laughs> things that need to be completed someday. Google Drive, actually. Google yeah. Drive. <laughs> Everything is now on Google Drive. Yeah. Yep. Same space drawer. in the drawers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and, and so we just, we picked that up and combined the two and it worked really well from the start because we, we already had these uh, really good personalities of our main characters in the comic so mm-hmm. having them play something kind of, it was natural. I mean, yeah. Ran is the one who, who's writing them, but uh, I think he, he would also say that uh, it just, it, it came natural what each of them would be playing and how each of them would be playing. Uh, so to turn that into a story about them playing was kind of, yeah, natural. That's lovely. I think that absolutely points to you're able to have conveyed full characters. If it's if it comes easily to say, oh, this person plays, you know, this kind of character. That's uh, that's very cool. That takes a lot. I think it's a step further because we not only show uh, the the characters that the players play, but we also show the players around the table. Mm-hmm. So knowing what they'll do is not just knowing what they'll have their character do, but also what they'll say and do around the table. Yeah. Like, for example, we have a character, Lily, who is very much into pushing as much as she can um, her luck. And will, she will try 17 things at the same time because, well, she'll have a minus 16 for all of this, but she <laughs> dice will explode. So she'll do it and she'll spend bennies and everything because that's who she is as, as, a, as a player, as a person. Mm-hmm. And her character is not necessarily that. Her character is portrayed as someone who might be uh, clever and precise. and But what is actually happening around the table is different. Because, <laughs> yeah. because people and players are not, uh, sorry, players and characters are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I think we have a player style. We had a player style way before we had characters. We knew what they are going to play like. Mm-hmm. But to yeah. actually give them characters... That uh, we ha- we had to go. We went through several different iterations of that because our first instinct was to use the same characters that we used in our original game because they were awesome characters. And we said, "Well, yeah. this is Crystal Heart, no, uh, no, it's not Crystal Heart." Apparently, we had to create completely new characters. <laughs> and the main thing that got, I think, got us to get these specific ones is by asking. What are their motivations? Why would player X play a character Y? What are they trying to get out of the game? And mm-hmm. what is the character trying to get out of becoming an agent? I mean, you have to have a fictional reasoning for why you became an agent of sin, as well as a reasoning for why I chose to create a character who's good with repair and is has the noble edge or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that actually became a part of the rules then. 
because we think that we should have motivations for everyone. As the players, of course, but that's not Savage Worlds. That's theoretic general um, theory of role-playing games. As a player, you should know what motivations are. Yes, sure. But <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, it's a very important thing to know what's fun for you and how to get it. Um, in the game, we in, now have in character creation a part that's why did you become an agent? Uh, and that motivation is not, I, I don't think, it's not currently represented in any mechanical way, but it is step zero of creating character. And we give you some examples and ideas because we want to keep the cohesion going later on. In, after three adventures, you realize you actually don't have any good reason to be here then the game will sort of fall, at least for your character. And that's, yeah. that really shouldn't happen. Yeah. yeah. And, and joining something like the same organization is a giant step. Obviously, for the players, if they chose to play this, then, you know, this is what we're playing. We're sin agents. Okay. But when you think about that character, that um, person who exists in the world, who now decides to give up their own heart, not knowing if or when they can get it back and join something that they're not sure they know anything about and do these crazy mm. things around the world, there has to be a really good reason. So putting that as like step zero in character creation is a really good idea, I think, um, because it forces the player to stop, give it a moment's thought, and then when you have that answer, you can continue and have a character that has a good reason to be that, which is really important. Yeah, we we actually had a lot of work on character creation. Um, of course, most of it is just what you do in Savage Worlds, how you create a character. Mm -hmm. But we added a lot of stuff that we think is important for our specific campaign. Like we want the pe the, the players, the characters, sorry, to already be teammates. You've been working together for some time. Mm. So there's a part of the rules in, during character creation when you draw a card uh, that's very common in Savage Worlds, yeah. and according to the suit, you will tell a short story about you and another character. Oh. And something that happened between you two. Why? So you have some basis for relationships going on, going forward. So that the next, when you start the game, you already know that you and uh, James are both um, envious of each other for various things. Mm-hmm. Or you, you already know that uh, you and Aviv both really like cats and cats are awesome. And now you have something to talk about, something that you can have inside jokes about, etc. And another thing that we had to put in, and I'm still working on it, it's still a big part, is making sure that you get to play a bit before you get a crystal. Because Ooh. I've noticed that once players get a a character that and that already has a crystal, they see the crystal as an integral part of the character. And that's not what we aim for. I mean, if you get a character with a crystal that makes you um, very cold and calculated, you will play your character cold and calculated, even though the crystal should be changed at some point. It, it mm. might not, it might never be changed, but that's not who you were yeah. until you got a crystal for who know how many years. So we're adding probably a session zero sort of thing where you'll get to play danger room style of game, mm. you and the other characters without any crystals. So you'll get a feel of your character before you get anything inserted into your chest. Yeah. Yeah. You have to get that baseline of, of who exactly. you are. Yeah. That's cool. Exactly. So I, you mentioned that 
uh, you thought about using your Crystal Heart characters in the comic, uh, but that the the characters, the players, they're they're all uh, they're all fictional. Um, do their adventures or do any part of the webcomic draw from your home group or from your playtesting? Um, yes, all three adventures that are currently our three storylines are based not even very vaguely, but. <laughs> Quite, quite um, <laughs> specifically, some parts of them yeah. on the adventures that we ran about 15 years ago, or more precisely on what notes I have remaining of those adventures. Oh, wow. Because okay. I, idea... I don't remember any of them. <laughs> it's kind of amazing that you remember so much from those games. And all I remember pretty much is just how the characters looked, because I drew that one <laughs> illustration all those years ago. So I'm kind of surprised all the time. It's great. <laughs> Well, it's mostly because of the episodic nature. I had to think about the twist of every episode. Mm -hmm. So the twist for the first one is what's happening in the catacombs. And the twist for the second one is the vampire is not... I'm I'm now spoiling everything, but (laughs) the vampire is not the bad person. The rivals are the bad persons, Mm -hmm. sort of. That's a that's a big thing that I am really proud of for thinking of having rivals, for example, uh, rival agents. That's such. I think it's from Naruto <laughs> again. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, that's such a, a a cool thing to have in adventure. I think, which is why I remember it very clearly. Thing is, um, we we sort of stop stopped playing after the third adventure. So going forward, all the, the next storyline, everything after all, it, we'll have to create from scratch. But that's fine. We have a basic idea for what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and then I wanted to talk a little bit, too, about drawing all of these these things from Crystal Heart characters and locations and items and all this into the comic. I feel like even more so than spot illustrations in a book kind of solidifies the way this setting looks and the way characters appear in it and things look uh, for for players who are going to play this game. And is that something that you wanted? Is that something that you're nervous about? Do you think how may that affect the way people interact with this uh, with this setting book? And is it the way that you want them to interact with it? I think for starters, uh, having this as as a webcomic to begin with helped us create or decide things uh, that we might not otherwise have decided on um, mm. or or we might not have known how they looked or how they behaved specifically, maybe until we sat down and really delved into writing the setting book or illustrating the setting book. For example, mm-hmm. um, Sin's Flying Castle, uh, they, ha- they have a flying castle. That's their headquarters because of course <laughs> they do. Um, yeah. That's something that when Ran is GMing or when he's writing about Sin's flying castle, he doesn't really need to think about how it looks, how does it fly, how many um, towers does it have, how many entrances does it have, all, all that kind of stuff. But when mm. I have to draw it, even in a tiny spot illustration or in the background of one panel, suddenly those things become really important. And that's mm. true for everything in the world. When you're just, when you role-playing around a table, you can use five words and people know where they are. But when you have to draw the characters in that location, you really have, well, I, I as an illustrator have to pull the description out of Elan or, or come to that description together to really understand mm-hmm. what this location is. So having done that for at least three chapters, for at least one major land in this world, um, 
which is Bogovia, that's where all the first three chapters happen. It's really helped me uh, before going mm -hmm. into the full book and having to do that for all the other locations in the world and other sin agents and characters around the world. It's been great to have that first experience be in webcomic form, just kind of forcing me to come up with all these visuals and see them interact with each other and make sure that they work. Having other people yeah. look at the webcomic and interact with it uh, and with the setting book, first of all, I think having the webcomic has been amazing because if we just come out with a setting book and no one would, no one knew what it was about, no one was familiar with the world, it'll be a much harder sell, I think, to convince people why this is awesome. Mm. But here they have a year and a half of story that they can read, they can enjoy, they can even learn how to play Savage World as they do, which would mm -hmm. be very convenient once they get our book and have to, you know, play it with Savage World. <laughs> I think that's been great. It's it's fantastic to um if 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 to go to a more um business side of it, to have so much to draw on when we started the Kickstarter was brilliant that webcomic is oh fantastic. yeah it, it allowed us to have a, a really good um aesthetic language for like for example the kickstarter page mm -hmm. i mean it looks awesome it's beautiful thanks to aviv knowing what crystal heart is how you aesthetically express it yeah and it's going to be really useful for the book as well because as comic creators we know of course how important art is for the storytelling and it's super duper important for the gaming experience as well. So we won't have comics in the um, book, probably, mm -hmm. but we'll have a lot of the art. Yeah. Well, we've just got the stretch goal that will make sure that we have a lot of art. So yeah, we have a lot yeah. of art. And Yay. we are definitely using it to express something and make sure that the players and GMs play a specific mm. style. Something that is, mm. I don't want to say silly, but oh, not even whimsical, but maybe lighthearted. Colorful, I think. Fun, colorful. That's how we, yeah, that's actually how we, we call it. It's been compared to Saturday uh, morning cartoons. Mm. And I get mm. that. Yeah. Um, awesome. Great. I mean, uh, when you look at the book and, whoa, look at the cover that I've created. It's still work in progress. We don't know how the, the, the finished um, cover will be but mm -hmm. the the art for the cover it says everything you need to know about what sort of fun you're going to get from this game and we're definitely going to use that a lot inside the, the book also when we want to convey different tones because there are other tones you can get in this world and we will try to help you get them if you want to there's some whole psychological hole that you can get to if you really want to have discussed before mm -hmm. there's all sorts of heaviness that yeah. you can if you want to get to and it's important that the art will convey that as yeah. well Ooh. oh i like that we should say that there is definitely a separation between the setting book and the comic so the the players mm -hmm. in the webcomic are using that setting they're playing that game but they're playing their own game so the yes. characters that they're playing the adventures that they're having they're not going to be in the setting book, they're canon to their own game. And we don't want, like, it's not canon to the world, what they're going through. It's only canon to their imagined, you know, fictional home game. 
okay. and it's created using this setting, which everyone can use to create their own home games. Yeah. Well, for me, it's headcanon that everything in the same world, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that, funny. that's what that's, we're that's not talking about, maybe, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. That's funny that as a writer, I have headcanon because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't use it as actual canon. Yeah, I, I know that there's... Like, that can be tricky for for some people when it's, oh, well, the comic did it this way, but my game, yes. I want to do it this yeah. way. Like, oh, but you can't. Oh, but I can. You know, that I I like that you're you're not... Yeah, you're letting them do what... Play play the game that they want to exactly. play. Yeah. We're, we're avoiding so. this question completely if we can to, yeah. yes. We really <laughs> don't want... I mean, we really don't want Good. people to uh, get any hang-ups just because we made a webcomic. Right. Absolutely. I like that a lot. It's a tricky thing to navigate these days. <laughs> well, cool. So we'll talk about the Kickstarter and all that a little bit. Um, do folks need Savage Worlds to play Crystal Heart? Yes. And specifically, cool. they need Adventure Edition, which is the newest one, which just got kickstarted a few hey, weeks hey. back from uh, when we recorded this. Uh, they can use the Deluxe Edition because mm -hmm. Pinnacle Entertainment, the guys behind Savage Worlds, are going to release uh, conversion guides for free. So if you already have the current version, uh, you can use that. However, the book will be written as if you have the Adventure Edition um, in hand. Cool. We will not be explaining any of the basic rules. We will really only try to give the added stuff, things that right. build on the basic stuff. That being said, you can theoretically take the book and play it with another system. I'm not sure how you would do that, however, <laughs> because we have a lot of cool setting material that's, you know, mm -hmm. not, uh, not any system specific, but crystals are so important to the game. And the yeah. way that they are expressed mechanically is very Savage Worldy. And we've been thinking about translating them to other systems, but really the only thing that comes to mind is fate as something mm -hmm. that might usable whereas every crystal is like an aspect or two aspects or something like that and yeah. there's some mechanics there that should be created it's for the future for yeah. now it's sure. for savage worlds <laughs> play savage worlds it's awesome it's easy there are quick start rules for free if you want to nice well this this show's audience is definitely the one you want to throw that that challenge down to <laughs> figure out a different system if you dare they will they'll figure it out <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome to to, to suggest it we have uh, uh you know an email, a deep code. We discuss these things among ourselves all the time yeah. anyway. <laughs> nice. Is there anything else that we should know about the Kickstarter in particular? Uh, when is it running until? Uh, it's running until 11th of December. And uh, nice. it's already been funded on the first day, which was awesome. And Oh, my God. Have, congrats. Thank you. Uh, we have our fantastic uh, readers and fans to thank for that, mostly. Again, one of the great things about already having a webcomic that's been running for several months or years before you go on Kickstarter. But we do have a bunch of really cool stretch goals that we really hope to get to. Uh, one of the main ones is, so in Savage Worlds, um, to draw initiative, you don't roll for it. You actually draw cards. And uh, most Savage Worlds settings come with their own deck of um, action cards. And it would be really cool to design that kind of deck for um, mm -hmm. Crystal Heart, but not as cool as designing the adventure deck, which is a hey. different deck of cards that has just 54 different um, prompts and ideas for things that can happen during the adventure that players can actually Ooh. use and say, um, actually this happened. Uh, <laughs> the, the best kind of, uh, the, the only good kind of, um, actually. Um, yeah. 
so if we can do a bunch like a deck of those for crystal heart that'll be really fantastic and uh i, I hope we get to that one. Oh, that's awesome i hope you do too mm -hmm. uh is there is there anything else that we should know about crystal heart I don't think so. I mean, uh, I would highly suggest just checking out the webcomic. Yeah. Because it explains the whole concept and I think what's fun about the concept. Not mm -hmm. everything. Um, many of the things discussed here were not discussed, at least yet, in the webcomic. Yeah. Um, like how, um, I won't say it. <laughs> um, and there's still, of course, a way to go for the webcomic. But it does, I think, prove there's a potential in the idea that can be used probably at your table as well in some way or another. Yeah. Awesome. Well, where can we find you both and your work online? Um, you can find us on up4players.com. That's where the webcomic is. And up4players.com slash crystalheart will take you directly to the Kickstarter. And uh, hmm. you can also find us uh, on social media wherever social media is being socialed, uh, Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, Google+, just look for up to four players. Oh, excellent. And we'll have those links and the Kickstarter link in the show notes, of course. Thank you both so much. This is very cool. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Huge thanks again to Aviv and Elan for being on. And of course, go check out Crystal Heart before it ends on Tuesday and the comic Up to Four Players for more Crystal Heart story goodness. Since we came out early, I'll see you again in three weeks on the 27th, no matter what lies past Megan says in the outro. That's all for this week, heroes. Follow Modifier on Twitter at Modifier Podcast, or send us questions, comments, and suggestions through email at modifierpodcast at gmail.com. Modifier is part of the One Shot Podcast Network, an incredible family of RPG podcasts, including shows like this one. Backstory is a cozy, thoughtful interview show featuring the most fascinating folks in role-playing. Join host Alex Roberts as she gets to know game designers, LARP rights, scholars, community organizers, and more. From emerging artists to seasoned veterans, guests open up about their creative process, what keeps them engaged, and their visions for the future of role-playing. To find out more about this and other shows on the network, visit OneShotPodcast.com. Modifier's theme music was created by my favorite Bothan, Cat Greenfield, whose myriad talents are on display at catgreenfield.com. Join me again in two weeks for another episode of Modifier. See you then. <laughs>